Badass Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler. We're going on a road trip today and riding shotgun is the best person ever, Court Winsett. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm the best person really? ever, Katie. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're the perfect person to go on a road trip together. Okay, road trip. There's the opening bell. So today is the second part of what we've decided. What we decided was going to be a two-part series on um, car loans. We're still in our debt series, but uh, there was so much information that we needed to get across that we wanted to split it into two. So last episode, you should have walked away with uh, a good idea of what goes into the actually actual decision-making process of whether or not to get a car and what type of car you need and so forth. And this time you've decided you're going to get a car and we're going to talk to you about how do you get one? How yeah. do you pay for it? How do you pick, you know, where do you go? What do you, we're going to, we're going to cover all of that. So, uh, you know, top five for this one, it was kind of easy to think about. So last time we talked about cars from pop culture. Yeah. So this one, it's like if Court and I had unlimited money, Yes. What would our dream cars be? And assuming, of course, that I can't have the DeLorean time travel machine. Yeah, that. I know we had to knock out any of those fictitious cars that yeah. were from movies. So yeah. these had to be real ones that we could actually go on and buy. Yes, you know, no talking cars, no time travel cars, no, yeah. you know, it was just strictly cars that theoretically, if we, it, it, some of these might require quite a bit of money, but theoretically you could go out into the world today and find one and buy it. Of course, I think with a good amount of money, you could make the sleigh from the Santa Claus that has the cookie that pops out and the warm milk. I mean, it'd be great around Christmas time. How fun. Sure. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So let's go. This week's top five is top five dream cars. Yes. Okay. My number one is going to have to be a Range Rover. I've always wanted one. But, uh, you know, I have been told by some friends who are mechanics that uh, this this would not be a very good car for me because it'd be in the shop a lot. But, you know, a girl's got a dream. And okay, this let is me, a dream list. Let me ask you this. Is is it, do you have a, do you want the Range Rover? Do you want the, the Land Rover Defender? The Range Rover. The Range Rover. Yep, preferably a black Range Rover. I think mm. it'd be very sleek and nice to, you know, go shopping around and, you know, have the kids in the back or the okay. nanny could have a matching one, you know. Sure. Just dream big. Now, let me ask you this as well. Are we doing the whole, like, starting with least to most, like that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. how I'm building this up. Okay. All um, right. Number two would have to be a uh, Wiseman Roadster. I fell in love with this because of Cruel Intentions. I just, I, It's such a classic looking car, mm. and I just would love to have one of those. Now, just to be clear, you're talking about the car that Ryan Philippe drives, his character drives? Yes. Okay. That then she ends up getting when he passes away. Right. Okay. Yeah. And she drives off in the sunset. Wonderful. Mm. Uh, let's see. Number three would have to be uh, the Lycan Hypersport. So this car is $3.4 million. Vin Diesel actually owns one of them. It's a Lebanese car, and they only made it between 2014 and 2017. I did not know that Lebanon had such a uh, a burgeoning car industry that they had a $3.8 million car out there. Well, I mean, it's exclusive, and so if it's good enough for Vin Diesel, it's good enough for me. Oh, I'm sure. I have no (laughs) doubt. Okay, uh, number four, this has to, this is a combination of my younger self, but then also trying to make my older self happy. I would love... A hot pink Lamborghini. Think well, like okay. Barbie, but then mash up with a bad arse car <laughs> of a Lamborghini. <laughs> We're keeping it PG here, buddy. <laughs> um, so I just think that would be awesome. 
And then uh, my top one. So I actually got to drive a classic car, a Rolls Royce um, Corniche convertible when I was in Monte Carlo. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And it's I learned how much maintenance goes with those beautiful old cars. Mm. So I really want to have just an old classic car, probably a classic Mustang. But I do know that building an expense, if I was to buy one of those, I'd also have to buy myself a personal mechanic. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a good, a good, a good, a good thing to keep in mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, dream. Never stop dreaming, everyone. Dream mm. big. Well, you mind if I go ahead with mine? Go ahead. Okay. I want to hear yours. Here come my top five. Number five, I'm just going with the, the the newest, hottest thing out there. It's called the, uh, it's a Lamborghini because I had to have a Lamborghini on my list, but I don't, you know, I don't really have a, one that's my particular favorite. So I just went with the uh, Lamborghini Aventador. Oh. Yes, Aventador. Um, that sounds it, exotic. It just looks sweet and it just kind of really sort of spoke to me today and i was like yeah you know gotta have a lamborghini on my list i the first one of the first cars i ever loved was the lamborghini that um that that they drove in cannonball run i don't know if you ever saw that that yeah so uh been obsessed with lamborghinis almost as long as my number one car but um anyway number two Going to go with a... Now, listen, let me just give you this caveat. Uh-oh. I was kind of almost trying to build a, a not necessarily the perfect garage, like the ideal middle-class garage where, you know, reasonable cars. But if you took the ideal middle-class garage with a, maybe a utility vehicle and so forth, I tried to take that and then amp it up to like, okay, these are the cars that I really don't anticipate ever actually getting to own in my life. Okay. So, number two, or I guess number four, uh, counting down, would be the uh, Bentley Continental. I'm a Bentley guy, not a Rolls-Royce guy, but I do need that sedan. You want that high, high class, you know, high value sedan. Yeah. So, yeah, and it just, I, I've always liked it. Plus, they're surprisingly fast. I mean, you know, you look at something like a Bentley or a Rolls and you just don't think about it being this super fast car, but they No, because I feel like you want to drive slow so everybody can be in envy of you. Well, sure, but they've also got some kick in there. Okay. So, number three, counting down, number three is, okay, I cheated a little bit, put uh, put a Harley on there because I've always wanted a motorcycle. My wife won't let me get uh, one, hence why it's Harley not, man, okay. Yeah, yeah, I've always, always wanted a motorcycle. My wife will not let me get one, but they remain on my list forever. And the one that I went with today, because I'm fascinated with it right now, is the Harley-Davidson Livewire. It's their new electric uh, motorcycle. Oh, electric. uh, Look at you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I figure uh, for as much as I would ride it, um, the the fact that you probably, you know, it actually doesn't go that far on one charge it's in terms of the length in terms of the distance you can go on one charge on this particular bike it's not very far but considering sorry i would not want to be on a motorcycle when my battery charge goes out not a good thing you just coast it's it's not like it would it's not like an electric plane where (laughs) the engine goes out on an electric plane you in trouble (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay number two um 1969 Ford Bronco V8. Okay, it's got to have the V8 in it. Is that like OJ? Uh, no, no. This is way. This is way more classic than OJ okay. Bronco. This is this is a couple of decades more classic than OJ gotcha. Bronco. And it's a it is a good looking truck, and it is uh, it's it's 
I don't know. I've always just there was a guy that went to that I went to high school with that drove a classic Ford Bronco, and I loved his classic Ford Bronco, and always wanted one. And then my number one car of all time, I don't care what year it is, I don't care, you know, it, but it has to be a Porsche 911. I will take a 911 no matter no matter what, no matter what year, no matter what make, no matter what specific features. Just so long as it is a Porsche 911, I'm I'm down. I love that car. If I pull up next to one at a gas station or at a stoplight or whatever, I'm gonna stare. I love it. There's my top five. <laughs> I do have to admit that uh, for the longest time I thought it was Porsche, and then I've been educated in my older years that it's Porsche. So you know that's you know. one of those things where I still hear people say Porsche, and I'm certainly not uh, highfalutin enough to be going around correcting people. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's Porsche, it's Porsche, but yeah, I've, I've potato potato. I've heard it pronounced Porsche, and I've been I've been corrected when I did not pronounce it Porsche. So gotcha. I pronounce it Porsche, but. Okay, so a little bit about last time. You know, we talked about understanding transportation and knowing you, knowing if you need to have transportation or if ride share or, you know, public buses, whatever works for you. And making sure you understood what the role of a car would be in your life, who's going to be driving it, what its purpose, is it going to be hauling stuff, long distance traveling, what is it going to be, understanding your price tag, Mm -hmm. making sure, there's the word, budget making sure it fits in your budget yeah go back to that budget episode um or the debt episode i guess it was when we talked about what how much debt how much of your of your monthly income should a car debt take up and i I, we gave it a cap of 20 percent. so make sure that you're fitting it into your cap well and you know now's the perfect time to say remember it's not just that payment each month of your car it is the maintenance it's going to be um the insurance and something we didn't mention last time it's going to be the gas yes there i know there's cars out there that you have to have premium like mine has to have premium and i'm shocked when people are like oh yeah gas prices are great and then i go and i'm like oh they're still bad for premium so that's something to consider as well as figuring out like if you've got a certain type of gas that your car needs that's going to jack up your price. Do you have to drive? How far do you have to drive? And uh, so, that, because that will affect how many times a week you're going to have to fill up. What kind of mileage does your car get if you get a car? And then finally, what kind of gas does your car require? If you're driving a foreign sedan, then chances are it's going to require that premium fuel, that 92 octane, I guess it is, 91, somewhere in there. Sounds about right. I don't okay. know. <laughs> 92, 93, whatever it takes. But we tried to stress last time about doing your research, making sure you figure out what's going to be the best. Don't don't go with like our dream list and want to get, you know, the Porsche or the Bronco or whatever it may be if that doesn't even fit in your budget or that's not even what you need. If you're going to be lugging a bunch of kids around, you don't need a two-seater car. That's true. And you and a lot of times we're all guilty of social media showing us these great new cars. But we all have the power at our fingertips to research and look at not just what the dealership website is saying that this is the best car, this is the safest car. You've got outside sources that can really verify that or tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, reviews out there, I'll be honest, like I am the world's worst. If I love a product, I will tell my friends, I will publicly say that, but I'm terrible Hmm. about going back to their sites and reviewing. And putting a good review of it. So a lot of times you get a lot of the bad reviews. But sometimes 
even if you look at the bad reviews on like a car or something like that, it may help you because you may be like, well, that person's complaining because the cup holder was too small. Well, <laughs> I mean, they just, you know, have well, issues Well, that would make anyways. a difference for me. I need, to, I need that 32-ounce <laughs> cup cup holder. I need, okay. It needs to fit the big cup. I'm just saying. But you get what I mean, that like you look at the good and the bad and you yeah. go from there and, and do your research, do your homework. Okay, so uh, we covered a lot of that in that last episode. Just, just the idea of what goes into actually deciding, do I need a car? And if so, you know, what kind of car do I need? And like, maybe, maybe you just need a Corolla. Yeah. Oh yeah. So fun fact about that. The Toyota Corolla is the best selling car in the world with one being sold every 40 seconds. That's a lot of cars. 40 seconds. I mean, you know, that's, that's, um, that means that they produce a tremendous number of cars as well. Not only are they being sold fast, but they're being cranked out fast. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Actually, you do, because that was pretty clear what I was saying, right? Yeah, that's very clear. Okay, so you figured out that you want a car. You are going to get a car. You you do not have public transit that is available to you that will work with your job, or you do not live within walking distance or biking distance of your job. Whatever the reason is, or you've got a large family of small critters that uh, can't get themselves <laughs> Just around. Just picture a bunch so of you raccoons gotta, and you say critters. <laughs> well, it's, it like the little like critter a, book. Like a Disney princess or something with the, with all the little critters like Thumper and Bambi and okay. stuff like that. Okay. Well. No, anyway, you, if they can't get around, you need to haul them around in something. So you got to have a vehicle because you got to get your family around. Then you've got to have one. So you're saying, yeah, I know what I'm going to need. I know what I know I've got to get one. So definitely going to get a car. What's next? So, and we want to briefly touch on this. So you've decided you need a car, but say that you're in a bad situation. Say that your credit score is not that great. And you know that it's going to be hard for you to get a car where you don't have enough cash on hand to pay for it outright, or you need to finance it, but you know that there's going to be struggles. So there is something called the tote the note dealerships, and we need to discuss it because, I mean, People we, we got to say it. it. Yeah, we got to say it. Yeah. So, um... These are dealerships that really are people that are saying, you know, we don't care about your credit. We care about you. We'll be very weary of that. Look at it and be like, okay, hold on. Let me read the fine print here. Because if you're needing a car and you're bad credit, then buying the lowest cost car with the shortest financing to build up your credit is really the best way. Because then say you get a car and it, I mean, it really is just a, it has an engine. It has, you know, hopefully a door mm-hmm. and, you know, but it can get you from point A to point B, but it's not glamorous. It's, right. you know, paint chipping, whatever, but you get it, you finance it for, you know, a year, two years, you're showing that you're paying for that car and that's helping to build your credit up. So then you can then get closer to getting your dream car and not having to work with a certain group. But those tote the note dealerships, so but, but. Yes, but <laughs> don't go to a tote the note dealership. It's a bad idea. <laughs> You can go to a I, bank. Yeah. You can go to a credit union. Credit unions yes. are really good about financing cars with, you know, with uh, either new or used cars. Yeah. So when I was saying that before, it's you could go to a dealership that has a used car on the lot and pay the 20, 30, whatever it may be percent interest mm. for that short period. Yeah, it's going to stink paying that high interest, but you get what you need. You're not stranded and you're not locking yourself into a tote the note dealership that may not even report your credit. Because a lot of times with those, they're, they're not credit. They're, you're you're not getting that you you're making all of your payments on time and that you have this this outstanding line of what of debt or whatever. Yeah. they're just and it's still the insane interest rate. 
and it's sometimes they even put tracking devices in there so you better believe it if your check got lost in the mail they're coming for you they're gonna get their car and then you're gonna be stranded at you know your Stranded at the Stranded at that girl's house that you just had one date with, and now you're stuck with her, so, you know, whatever. (laughs) But, okay, I I had to put a disclaimer out there about the tote the note dealerships. Just do not... It may serve a purpose, but, you know, is it the only way you can get a car? If it's the only way that you can get a car, then, okay, if you really need that car, then maybe do that. But go in with your eyes wide open. There are a lot of little... There are a lot of little hooks that can get you in the tote tote the note dealers. Yeah, and I think we talked about it a little bit last time. Dealerships have kind of changed, and it used to be this whole image of the sleazy car salesman. Like, Mm -hmm. in Matilda, I think, you know, whatever his name was, Wormus or something. Wormus. Whenever I think of a car salesman, I always think of Cadillac Man. That was the first movie that my wife and I ever went to see. Like, our very first date ever was to go see Cadillac Man. Horrible movie. Do not recommend it, (laughs) but a sentimental value. Anyway. Well, so it used to kind of be a sleazy car salesman that he was trying to like get one over on you and get the car and he, you walked out the door with your car and he didn't ever care about talking to you again. Well, the world has changed. It is based on reputation. It's based on referrals. And so these dealerships are wanting to work with you and take care of you. And so if you were in this bad situation with the bad credit, then you probably could go talk to them and be like, hey, look, you know, this is my situation see if they could help you out. And a lot of times, I'm not speaking for all dealerships because they're all different, but a lot of times you may luck out with that nice salesman that's going to help you out. Now, if you're needing that kind of situation, don't go to the Porsche dealership. Mm. You know, maybe maybe go more to like the Subaru the or Honda. Porsche. I just want the Porsche, Katie. <laughs> I want it. Okay. God. So here's the thing. You've decided you're going to get a car. There are certain questions that you have to answer. One of them is like, how am I going to pay for it? Mm -hmm. Obviously, Um, are you going to finance it? Do you have enough cash that you could just buy something outright? You know, most people aren't just sitting on thousands of dollars that they can that they can pay out for a car. So how are you going to pay for it? Well, chances are you're going to have to have some sort of uh, financing available to you from someone. Yeah. uh, Unless you're just going to get that, that really, really cheap beater. And listen, sometimes a better option might be, okay, I'll put $2,000 on this beater that will get me from point A to point B and then uh, wait and build up my credit in other ways and, and then, and then finance something down the road. But remember, the whole idea of uh, of getting the car is that we are treating this car as as an expense. Mm-hmm. So you're taking into consideration part of your transportation expense for your living expenses. Part of your transportation expense is the car payment itself. We're not saying this is an investment. This is just part of the part of life expenses. Yeah, part of living. And so you can you can certainly the dealerships will um, will work with you. Uh, you know, th- honestly, the the dealers, they're not making their money on selling brand new cars. No. But- yeah. A lot of their money is made from those used cars. I mean, they mm-hmm. may get a tiny bit from the new ones, but that's, they're brand new. They're hot. They're going. They, ma- they don't make a ton on that, but it's on those used cars and on the warranties and the safety features and the mm-hmm. add-ons, all of that. Yeah. And then on the financing, they also yeah. make money on the financing. Absolutely. So that that they will obviously, if 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 your if your credit score is good enough and you're considered a good credit risk, then they have that financing available there, and that's part all. Don't ever go into a car dealership thinking that 
their goal is to sell you that brand new car and everything else is just uh, is just you know value added to them no no they're there they, the car gets you in the door but where they make their money mm-hmm. and what they are motivated to sell you is things like the you know the options and things like the warranties and things like actually financing it yeah and that's how they're actually making their money and if they but keep in mind that if they build a decent relationship with you they also get probably what is the big kahuna and that's service mm-hmm. when you take your yes. car back into them to their service station to get that car serviced they really can that's a revenue generator for them so if they treat you right and they build a good trusting relationship and you feel good taking your car back to them mm-hmm. then that's a win for them but well and also if they're you, your car's in service and you still have this relationship with this salesman and he sees that there's some you know issues that are happening then they're there to be like hey you know what let's save your money let's 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 upgrade let's get you something else yeah so You've, uh, I guess we should sort of deal with the fact that we really are focusing more on dealers today. And most of our scenarios are with dealers. We're not talking about going out and finding the blue book value of a used car and going through the paper and finding some private seller and buying it that way. That's obviously an option. Uh, Your financing uh, options are going to be more limited when you do it like that Mm -hmm. because obviously the dealer is not available to finance it. So then you're looking for a bank or like I said, a credit union. But it is an option. More often than not, you might be paying a higher amount uh, of just cash that you've saved up. And you're, you're doing that in hopes that you can get the car cheaper from a private seller than you could from a dealer. Yeah. But there are trade-offs. And I got to stress again, when you, know, you just said that higher amount towards getting that car, where what we want to remember is that even if you've got, oh, there's a great car, it's $3,000, I've got $3,000 in my bank, well... You need to remember that you giving away that $3,000 in return for this car, what does that mean now that you won't have that available $3,000 to use? Because it's now tied up in your car. Your car's not going to be able to help you pay for your washing machine that broke because you have no more liquid cash. Right. Like if you took if if you took that savings that we told you to set aside in, in our early, early episodes, if you took that to pay for your car, then you now no longer have that three to six months of your monthly income in the in a savings account that's available to you for emergencies. Yeah. Because you just spent it on a car. And great, now you can get to work, but if something else happens, then you, you don't have that emergency fund. So everything balances out. What is the what is the what are you giving up by paying for by using this money over here rather than saving it over here? Yeah, um, absolutely. Understand the value. So our premise is you need a car. Mm-hmm. We've already you know we've established that you need a car, and our premise is going to be that you are looking at getting your car from a dealer, and what are your options as far as financing that car, paying for that car, and or uh, leasing versus buying? Yes. Also, so I mean it starts off. Most of the time, you're you're already driving a car. And so you may look at it to a trade-in value. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you may see that someone decides to sell their car on Facebook Marketplace or in the paper. I don't, I don't even know if they do that anymore. But um, the value is, is that's so much time and also security of it that you don't know what kind of situation you're getting into. Okay, so say you want to trade with a dealer. Mm-hmm. It may be that the price you find on Kelly Blue Book or somewhere else, it might not be the same price the dealer's willing to offer you. But think about the time and the resources that they're willing to take that off your plate. They're going to take the car. They're going to take over selling it for you. So, yes, you may be getting a little less money, but 
it pays off if you don't want to deal with the hassle of trying to sell it yourself. Right, right. So, okay, that's one thing to think about. If you're going to trade in, you might get a tax break when you trade one in and buy another. It's all on how much the car is worth, which we do have to throw the disclaimer in of a little jargon phrase in the car world mm. of being upside down in a car. Yeah. Now, this doesn't mean you went whole fast and furious driving around and flipped a corner and boom, now you're laying on your upside down and still miraculously you're fine and can walk away and kiss the girl because why do they always kiss after they've done something ridiculous or bombs are flying everywhere? Okay, sorry. That was my pet peeve. <laughs> don't know, Katie. Don't get so angry at me. So upside down on a car. If you owe more on the car than it's worth, the dealer, so let's let's use some numbers here. Dealer gives you thirty eight thousand. Mm. You owe forty thousand. So right. you you know two thousand difference. You may subtract the thirty eight thousand from the fifty. Say that your new car is going to be. You're taxed on the difference plus fees, and the money owed is added back on in the end. Okay, so effectively you're still financing that part of your old car that you still owe. Yeah. So they're, they're basically sort of carrying over that part that you still owed from the old loan mm-hmm. and tacking it onto your new loan. Yes. Yeah, so it, it can be done. It's just one of those understand that um, if you're going to trade your car in, if you haven't had it very long or you had a really expensive car and you have been paying really low payments on it, you might be upside down in your car. Which sort of leads pretty pretty smoothly into the whole topic of whether to lease or to buy. Because a big consideration of whether to lease or to buy is, do you like to trade that car in every two years or three years? You know, are you are you turning your cars over very, very quickly? Um, that could be one of the, that, that, that could, that obviously, if you've only had your car for a, a year and you financed a big portion of it, then that could very well, if you take it in a year later and want to trade it in, you could be upside down on that loan. So, oh, yeah. So, that is a big consideration of is leasing a better idea for you than purchasing would be. Um, but that's just one of several questions that go into the whole lease versus buy thing. Yeah. It's when you're looking at it, it's, you know, where, how often do you drive? Like if you are listening to this and going, okay, yeah, I like to trade my cars every couple of years, yeah. but you travel for work across mm-hmm. state lines and are putting, you know, let's say over 15,000 miles a year on your car. Yeah, depending on, I will say this, depending on what website you look at, I, I looked at a few and the average the average mileage of, of a, an American, uh, if you just take all ages and both sexes and average them all together, uh-huh. it's around 13,000 miles. Okay. There's another website that says it's upwards of around 15,000, 15,500. That's just for the average miles per year of your average driver. If you lump everybody together, obviously it, it changes if it's a, a young person or an old person mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But so on average, you will probably find that you you if, if you're average, <laughs> then you drive somewhere around 15,000 miles per year. The average lease, on the other hand... Uh, Usually they they tend to hover closer to around twelve thousand miles per year, and so the average American tends to drive a little bit more than the average lease mileage allows. So that's that's just I thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, but that's something to consider with the leasing and buying is 
you know, buying is something that you're planning on holding it for a while. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like with stocks. You know, you buy, you're more than likely you're planning on holding it for a while and seeing how it goes, Mm -hmm. not just quickly getting in and out of it really fast. So with the lease, it's your determining, does this fit? Do I want to change my car up every, you know, couple of years or so? Am I not driving crazy miles? And I think a component of it too is kind of how do you treat your car? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you if you average, you might be able to get more miles than than the twelve thousand. I'm not saying that's you're limited to twelve thousand. It, it depends on the lease. It depends on the company. But you might be able to get more than than the twelve thousand miles. But Court's phrase, favorite phrase, it depends, yeah, is it very depends. much the car dealership world. But if you know, if you're <laughs> like, oh no, no problem, twelve thousand miles, I can I can do that. You know, no problem. But uh, you beat your car up in those twelve thousand miles, then <laughs> you know you're. You're you, you you're turning back in a junker because you're hard on your car. Oh yeah, I'm thinking of like almost every John Candy movie where he's got like wrappers on all the cars and oh, yeah. it falls apart. Of course, we don't talk about planes, trains, and automobiles because I hope that wasn't it. Well, that was a rental car, wasn't it? Yes, yes, they rented that. <laughs> car. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I just I, I'm thinking about every single car that is in my family. All of our, our cars are all beaten and scratched and dinged and so forth and trashed. And I mean, you know, we have we've we've had three teenage drivers for several years now you just cars don't hold up under that pressure (laughs) yeah um it's so the thing is i feel like i didn't hear a lot about leasing cars when i was younger and it was a lot more about buying so manufacturers kind of flipped the switch and leasing now is a little bit more attractive to them if you're trading every three years it's better to lease than a 72 month purchase and they've actually found the loyalty rate. A 36-month lease has a 65% retention rate versus that person that came into the 72-month purchase. It has about a 20% retention rate. Because you think about it, if they haven't gotten them on as uh, service clients, so you're driving your car and say you're one of the ones that bought and you've had it for 70 months out of the 72 months that you're financing it. And it may be that it's starting to get a little rattle and it's starting to, you know, have oh, little it's definitely got issues a and now. bells popping up left and right. Yeah. So you may be frustrated and be like, oh man, I don't want to drive a Honda anymore. I want to switch and get a Subaru now or something like that. Um, so that's where they're saying, you know, the 20% retention rate versus if you're driving a lease car and you've only had it for 30 months and you're thinking, oh, in six months I get to switch to something new. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really, that's where it's kind of become more attractive and they've jumped on that. And yeah. I think, you know, that's something to think about. So um, if you, if you, if you, if you run your cars ragged or if you trade them down through your family or if you just put a lot of mileage on them, then, then leasing may not be the way to go because you may, you know, you may not be able to fit within the bounds. But on the other hand, like for instance, you may have business travel, but still keep your mileage relatively low. And if you are leasing, then that's an expense that you know you you can you you've got you've got a business expense there. That's that's a deductible expense. Oh yeah. So you know maybe you lease because that way you know you're expensing it, and you're uh, you, you you know you you don't have an asset that you're depreciating. You just you're leasing it and you somebody else is dealing with the, the, the sale like you said down the road when you when it's time to turn in your employee turns it in they get a new car that's going to be able to to do whatever it is that they need to do or you're going to be able to do whatever it is you need to do for your business and you haven't had to deal with all of those other bookkeeping issues that you might confront as a as an owner if you purchased a car yeah but again a lot of that's going to come back to mileage 
Um, you know, because I know when I was traveling salesman, I was putting closer to 25 to 30,000 miles a, a year on my car. And so that wouldn't really fit with the whole leasing model, but well, it and, all uh, depends. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, David Pickler over here, he, uh, has kept, he likes to drive his cars into the ground. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this last one, I mean, it was falling apart. It was a great car when he got it, brand new Lexus. And that was about probably 15 years ago. I know it was 300,000 miles 386,000, <laughs> like 222 miles. Mm. So like oh, our family has been one of those that it's like you get a car and you hold it for a long time until the wheels fall off. Right. And so that's another thing is it's your kind of your culture of what you're used to with your families versus I've married into the car, uh, car business family with my husband and father-in-law and mm. You know, they they like to trade it out every once in a while. They like to have different new cars versus me. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm keeping mine for a while. I just got it comfy. Just got the seat where I like it. <laughs> okay, so no lease. We're not going to lease, let's say. Let's say yeah. we've made that choice. We're going to buy. We're going to own, darn it. We're going to we're, we're, we're go buy. The mm -hmm. next step is paying for it, right? Yep. What? We got to... But before they, before, they may be like, oh, Courtney, so you love this... What did you say you wanted Porsche. A, a Porsche? You love this Porsche and it's beautiful and it's candy apple red. Mm. But what about, do you want the luxury uh, floor seats? And do you want the seat warmer? Do you want the crazy diamond encrusted wheels? No, I, I don't need diamonds on my Porsche. Well, but so we're being ridiculous, but you think about it. It's one of those like, well, what about this? Let's add this to it. Let's add that. And... The biggest thing would definitely be the technology features. Yeah, technology and floor mats. It always blows my mind that they consider floor mats an add-on, <laughs> that it's an option. That like, like, who doesn't want floor mats? I are don't there, know. Do you? Are there people out there that don't want floor mats? I mean, not me. Although, like, that's where you know all your your crumbs and stuff get trapped under the floor mat, and then you get embarrassed when you lift it up, and you're like, oh, okay. Oh, well, anyway, yeah. Those, <laughs> so those options, you're gonna, you, you got the car picked out, you know the car that's gonna serve your needs, and then, and then you're like, okay, I'll take it. Well, what about the options? Okay, so now we've gone through the options. Definitely, you know, if I'm buying a Suburban, then I'm probably buying it because I've got a big family and I've got kids in the back seat and I wanna entertain them, so I'm gonna look at having those drop-down televisions that I, I, uh, I I haven't had one in, in many, many years, but I remember it was a godsend when my kids were little. Oh, yeah. And if you're somewhere cold, you may really want that remote start so mm -hmm. you can start de-icing your car. Yeah. Um, and then it's just the safety features. There's so many out there now of adding the, the backup cameras or the the little beeping that happens if you're too close on the front or the, you know, those little things. Yeah. That they hate drive throughs yeah. I have one of those on mine. I had to turn it off. And don't forget the touch screen. Oh, yeah. Touch screen. Yeah. The touch screen. Those, those consoles that are like, it, boy, they're, they're not cheap to put that in the car. No. Okay. So you figured out your car. You figured out all the add-ons. They, you know, they told you, you know, great. That's the car you're going to drive or they're going to have to get it from another dealership. So we now are going with financing. Okay. We're finally to finance. We are finally to meeting the finance guy. Okay. So... You know, I hopefully before you got there, you checked your credit score. Hopefully. We told you how to do that. Yeah. Go back to the uh, episode where we checked credit scores. So that you've got an idea. Okay. So we've been sprinkling this stuff throughout, but here is the list. Um, you have decided to purchase the car. You have options for how you can how you can get the car. We've said we're not going to lease it. We're going to buy it. Mm -hmm. We said that we're going to 
We're not going to pay for it in one big giant lump sum. We're going to finance at least part of it. So we gave you this idea that you can put down more or less of a, of a down payment. Make sure that that down payment that you put down is something that you can afford, that it's not going to completely deplete your savings. Mm -hmm. This car purchase shouldn't be a, an emergency purchase. Under most circumstances, you're not going out and looking at purchasing a car because it's an emergency and you need it right then. So try and leave those emergency funds alone. Leave those for an emergency and just put down whatever you can afford to put down without depleting your entire nest egg and then finance the rest. So you're going to look at your loan options. Obviously, we've said the the dealers, they like to make loans. They make money off of making the loans, yeah. but they're not the only ones that loan. Like I said, banks will make an auto loan, especially on new cars. Uh, they will also make auto loans on used cars up to a certain age. Mm -hmm. uh, credit unions are really oh, yeah, good absolutely. about auto loans. I said that as well. So look at all of your options and, and figure out where you're going to be able to get the best rate, get the most financed, uh, you know, what kind of, of down payment is going to be required to make sure that you get the payment that you need to have. Because yeah. remember, this is just part of your monthly budget. So there is a monthly payment that you're shooting for. What is it going to take for you to get that monthly payment so that it will fit within your budget? And don't be scared when they say 0% financing. It's one of those that if you fit with this with your credit score, it could be that you set up a 0% financing for a car and you don't have to put anything down and you're set. You're Great. financing it up for them. And I mean, you have that payment. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't pay a little extra each month if you want to. But again, it's just looking at you're almost always going to have a car. Even if your car is paid for and you are blessed to have a couple of months or a year where you don't have a car payment. Well, you may have more maintenance charges at that point. And then eventually you're going to have a car payment. So just always kind of have it built in to that budget. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the uh, the interest rate is important. That's going to that's gonna be determinative to a, to a degree on the amount of your payment. How many months you finance for. When mm -hmm. I was, you know, when I was much younger, the, the standard was either 36 months or 60 months that you financed a car. And nowadays, they they 72 seems to be the standard. 72, 63, like, I mean, just... That's some weird numbers, <laughs> but I, I, it's been a long time since I bought a new car. But I mean, I, like I said, it, it was either three years or five years when, when I was young and was buying new cars. And But you've got, you've got options for how long you're going to finance it. You've got options for... Uh, hope, shop around, see what the best rate you can get, like we said, so that that percentage rate will affect what your monthly payment mm -hmm. is, uh, how long you expect to keep it. You know, obviously, if, you, if you're going to keep it for 10 years, then financing it out over 72 months uh, or 63 months, if you're yeah. getting a 0% rate, that is... That's a very viable option for yeah, you. Yeah, that's something that, you know, there's a phrase around here where we say other people's money. We talked yeah. about it with credit cards. Mm -hmm. If you know you're going to have the car, then why go ahead and pay it off early? Why shorten the time period? If you're going to hold it, go ahead and spread it out over the 70, 72 months and do your payments. Don't deplete your money. Now, is the salesman going to be like, let's say you're going to actually go through the auto dealer to get uh -huh. your car loan. You're, you, you've decided that they're the best option. Is the salesman the one that's going to be talking to you about getting that loan? or they, I, they, They've got a finance yeah, they, guy. They've, they have it where the salesman will walk you over to the finance guy and say, you know, this is the car they want. And when you're at the finance, that's where they're going to figure out your payments with you. They're going to run your credit. They're going to figure out what your loan could be. And they're also going to talk to you about warranties. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, a long time ago, warranties were 
big, big bucks for dealerships. That's how they could really kind of get somebody like, hey, you need all these warranties. And not that the warranties are great, but back then it was one of those like, okay, maybe. Now, these are driving computers, essentially. There's mm-hmm. over 30,000 parts in these cars. And just the little components, if anybody's ever been a wreck before, you may look at your car and it looks perfectly fine, but you find out this little, you know, two-inch thing bent, and now it's going to cost you $10,000. <laughs> Goodness so, gracious. Well, I mean, but it, it's kind of that craziness. Yeah, no, yeah. So that's where warranties now are really important, having those cars and there's options that go into it. There's even some that you can work a deal that you get the warranty for this and it includes four months of service or they've got right. different options. Yes, at the end of the day, the finance guy is trying to pitch and sell things to you, but it's knowing yourself. It's knowing if it's right for you. And there's nothing to say that you can't step out of that finance office and call a financial advisor or go home and talk about it and come back and really do your research and make sure, is this a warranty I need? Well, and again, everything that we're talking about, none of, except for whatever cash you put down on the car Mm -hmm. to begin with, everything else goes into what you're financing. Yeah. So a lot of it is going to be is a warranty a good thing to have? Because the warranty, you know, they don't come with bumper to bumper warranties anymore. You've got to pay extra for that or whatever. And you've got a car that's got a, you know, you're buying a Lamborghini and it's it's got, get this, Lamborghinis are now made with an automatic like hydraulic lift to lift it up off the ground wow. so that it can go over a speed bump. That's how low to the ground these things are. <laughs> that's insane. So if, you're, if your hydraulic lift on your Lambro goes out, then... You know, you might need that warranty coverage to, to get that fixed. But it's kind of the warranties is like life insurance. Yeah. So, you know, if you decide that you want life insurance on your life because of, you know, you never know what's going to happen. That's kind of what a warranty is. It's, it's you're protecting your car because you don't know what's going to happen. And you may not be prepared to come out of pocket for that large amount. So you need this warranty to help you out. And the dealers do love them, not just because they make them money, um, you know, that's but also because. They make the money in a way that you may not think about. But again, what we talked about earlier is they want to build a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And if you have a car that's under warranty, then what are you going to do if it breaks down? You're going to take it back to the dealer and you're going to take it to their service department and they're going to fix it. And the automaker, like if it's a Ford and it's a Ford dealership or if it's a Subaru and it's a Subaru dealership, Subaru pays that local service shop because mm-hmm. your car is under warranty. So Subaru is paying them to fix your car. It's not costing you anything, but the service shop is still earning that revenue for fixing your car. Yeah. So they've got, you know, they, they're motivated to get you in a warranty because it, it means that they may keep you coming back to them. They're still going to get paid. They're getting paid by the dealer and your car is staying fixed. It's a, it's a good, it's a good racket if you can find one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those that, heaven forbid, if you bought a new car and you drove it off the lot and then it just, things just keep happening left and right. Like you pretty much have bought the money pit house version of a car that it's just everything goes wrong with it. There is something called the lemon laws. Mm-hmm. And no, that's not, you know, a nice little drink or something like that you get. It's, it is a law that actually protects those new car buyers that they can then go to the dealerships and say, look, this is pretty much a lemon. This is, I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase, but it's, you know, it's a junker. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. Something's wrong with it. The- yeah. I'm going to give you a pass on that as jargon. I'm pretty sure most people know what we mean <laughs> well, when we say it's lemon. I think. I think if we got I- some younger people, they may not have heard that phrase. That's, it's distinctly <laughs> possible. You never know. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, obviously lemon laws are not just, oh, I took my car off the lot and I decided I don't want it. This no. Is, there's no buyer's remorse here. Mm-mm. There's no protection for you. If you purchase your car, you don't have some sort of three-day right of rescission or anything like no. that. This is just protection for if the car actually does not work. Like if it if it's if it is provably they can't fix it for a certain period of time, or you've had to take it back in several times for the same issue, mm-hmm. um, then there's protection there for you that they would have to actually buy that car back from you. The, the the they would buy that car back from you, and you know you replace it or whatever. Again, it doesn't cover buyer's remorse. That just no. covers if there was a manufacturing defect, basically, that made the car inoperable. Well, and I'm sorry in advance to my father-in-law, but through some of the fun research of this, I did find out that, uh, you know, we talked about the Toyota Corolla was, you know, one of the best-selling cars. Well, actually, the Honda Accord is one of the most frequently stolen in mm. the United States. So if you're driving a Honda Accord, I am. lock your doors, <laughs> <laughs> hide do. your keys, hide your wife. <laughs> I drive a Honda Accord. I've been a, I've been a Honda guy for a long time, so... <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that's that's about financing. And again, it's you've got options, you've got research. Look at your whole picture. Look at the car as a buying expense and yeah. that it's not an investment. Okay, so um uh, that that feels like a great place to just sort of stop this and um and give them our bullseye. Our one one or two points, Katie, that they should walk away with if they walk away with anything from this episode this crazy thing we call a cast (laughs) (laughs) okay my bullseye understand your budget make sure you look at the whole picture and figure out how much you can afford and do not be scared to take advantage of other people's money do not be scared of taking advantage of financing because it can be your absolute best friend to make sure that you're not depleting your cash Yes. Okay. So let me roll off of that bullseye. My bullseye is this. Know your credit score. Mm -hmm. Know what your budget is. Know how much you can pay for not just the car, but the maintenance of the car, including fuel, regular oil changes, stuff like that. And you can, and know how much cash you can spare without depleting your nest egg. You can take all of that information and you can figure out with your dealer or with your banker exactly how much you need to finance for how long to find the payment that fits with you. Dealers will work with you. The finance guy at the dealership will work with you to get this loan and to get this monthly payment at the right place. Bankers will help you get this payment at the right place. And it's all going to come down to how much do you put down? How long do you finance it? And what is your what is your rate? What is mm-hmm. the, the interest rate that you're paying on that loan? Those are the three the three big things. And if you get that right, then you can stick to your budget. You can pay for that transportation expense and you can have that uh, that Toyota Corolla bullseye. So, by the way, we said at the beginning, you know, Toyota Corolla is sold every 40 seconds. Mm -hmm. So you've been listening to this podcast. 70.5 have been sold. Just while they've been listening to this podcast. Just while they've been listening. That's amazing. (laughs) Whoa! Katie, there's the closing bell. Ladies and gentlemen, you've made it through yet another episode of Bullcast Podcast. We appreciate you listening to us. If you haven't subscribed already, please go to your favorite subscription service and subscribe to the Bullcast Podcast. You can leave a comment if you want to. 
You can also find out more about me and Katie at our website, bullcastpodcast.com. You can also submit a question, submit a topic if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, Also, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at bullcastpodcast. And if you'd like to see the occasional picture of us that we throw up on Instagram, our handle over there is at bullcastpodcast as well. Finally, Katie mentioned the man earlier today. David Pickler. We work for him at his company. It's Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about David or more about the rest of our amazing team, you can go over to the Pickler Wealth Advisors website to find out all of that great information. Find out a little bit about what it is we actually do. That's PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. With an O, not an E. That's Advisors with an O, not an E. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have given you plenty to be going on with. And so for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. Shake and bake, baby. <laughs>